mere human moralist. What exactly does that mean? Many who call themselves Christians are mere human moralists. Ever heard of a human moralist? <laughs> okay, we, we all understand the human part. What is moralist? A person who is a moralist, what do they do? They talk about morals and values a lot. And do they ingest them into other folks or force their moral values on others or, or am I reaching too much? Uh, they could do that, I would imagine. And Lakita, would you say you think moralists do? They talk about morals and values a lot. Live service. They don't live them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, do they, they not live them? Or... Godliness, but deny the power thereof. Mm -hmm. Do moralists only speak of morals or do they actually try and uphold them? They speak of them. Have you ever heard somebody say he or she's a good person? Yes. All the time. But that doesn't mean they're a Christian, does it? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are some people who do good things, but they don't believe in Christ. They have not accepted Christ. And many times we hear about them on the news where they're always trying to tell people how to act. Mm -hmm. You know, people should do this and we have to do that. But they have never accepted Christ as their savior. So they're not a Christian, but they do believe in treating people right. I, was, um, I looked it up in um, my handy dandy dictionary. Miriam Webster was there, and it says, definition one who leads a moral life, a philosopher or writer concerned with moral principles and problems. And this is Andre's definition, one concerned with regulating the morals of others. Yes, a lot of them. Yeah, we're surrounded by moralists, but again, only those who accept Christ are called or should call themselves Christians. So there are people who say, you know, people need to do this and People need to behave like that and need to act mm -hmm. this type of way, mm -hmm. but they haven't accepted Christ. And sometimes we run into people who will tell Christians how Christians are to act, even though they themselves have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And it says they have refused the gift which God alone can give them, meaning the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Do they have do they have the Holy Spirit or do they just have an uh, inkling of the Holy Spirit or is the Holy Spirit trying to work with moralists at all? What do you think about that? I think that the Holy Spirit is always speaking to all of us. Now, whether we accept it or reject it or ignore it or whatever, um, that part is on us. Okay, anyone else? Can you repeat that question again? Yeah. Do you do it? Says that um, the human moralists have refused the gift which uh, alone would enable them to honor Christ by representing Him in the world. They have not accepted the Holy Spirit into their lives. But does that mean that the Holy Spirit is not trying to work with them? Oh, okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> I have to agree with uh, Karen on it. Um, the Holy Spirit trying to work with it, any and everybody but once you get to that point of total rejection uh then it, it's not that the spirit's not trying to work with you but it's no longer uh engaged 
because that person has pulled away. And it said, the scripture says, many are called, but few are chosen. And it's not that, it's not that it's the spirit during the choosing, it's us that's doing the choosing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit tries to reach everyone, right? Right. And some people have rejected him. And some people just think that they're doing these moral things by themselves. But we know that's not true because in humans, the only thing we're born with is the propensity to do wrong. So the Holy Spirit is leading these people, but they have not accepted him in, him or Christ into their lives. It says the work of the Holy Spirit to them is a strange work. They are not doers of God's word. Mm -hmm. And the heavenly principles that distinguish those who are one with Christ from those who have become one with the world become almost indistinguishable. How can Christians become indistinguishable to those in the world? They look like the world. Act like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world. Instead, if it looks, acts, thinks, and, look, and walks like a duck, it is a duck. Well, how can you be a professed follower of Christ, but we can't tell the difference between you and those who don't profess Christ? But that's what you just said. You said professed follower. What means that is that we, we, we look like it and we act like it to on outward appearances, but you know, behind closed doors or wherever, or when we're not around people that know us, then we're not. I'm going to tell you a story. One time me and Karen were watching a singing contest on TV one night, and mm -hmm. five or six guys came out, Black guys, and they started singing a cappella. And I'm listening to the sound, but I'm also looking at them. No one had any earrings on. They didn't have all this extra stuff that some of these guys wear. The clothes didn't look like the world. And I said to Karen, I said, you know, they look like they look like Adventists. They look like Christians first. And I said, look like they look like Adventists. But they sound like and they that. sounded like them, but they also had the look because I'm looking at that too. And if I found out that the name of them were uh, committed and they came out of Oakwood, mm -hmm. but it was the look and the first, the sound that got me, and then I started really looking at them and how they carried themselves and what they had on, that kind of really kind of locked me into, these look like Christian young men. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and you know, we kind of went back and forth, and, um, but they were, and it was based on their look is what, what got me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, how people can become, how we profess be professed Christians and um, but in the world, is that what the question is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I with Andre, I agree with Andre. Those young men made choices that um, consistent choices that led them to um, be filled with the spirit so much that when you look at them, you can see that Christ was, was with them. And I think it's our choices, you know, not that we choose to do something bad. But, you know, like the Holy Spirit, like Karen gave me some notebooks this morning. So the Holy Spirit said to Karen at some point this week, go ahead and get some notebooks for, you know, for the program for this summer. And Karen said, okay. And then she did it. So that's following Christ. Even something, you know, like that small, she didn't do it of her own self. Satan certainly is not going to tell Karen to go do nothing for the church. Um, so those things, those 
everyday small decisions that we make to follow Christ, to do what he tells us to do. That's how we know that we are um how we know that we are Christians and that we're following Christ. And on the flip side of that, we can come to church every week and the Holy Spirit say, oh, go ahead and, and, and get you some, get some notebooks now, because that costs $3 and I want to get some McDonald's, you know, blah, 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 blah. you know, so then now we're no longer, we're not really following Christ, but we're saying that we are Christians although we are not doing what Christ asks us to do. And I just use that as like just an example because it's easy. So that's the professing part of it. Well, yeah. even, even greater than that, you know, when we're talking about profess, they, they want to look like mm-hmm. but not really be like. Uh, the Lord says you shall know them by their fruits and by their fruit you shall uh, be able to determine if their character is not even in sync with the Lord, then we know they're just professed Christians and not actual Christians. Now, I remember when uh, Peter was standing around the fire and the guy said, hey, you was with those, uh, you was with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And then three times they said, they pointed him out and said, yeah, you was one of them, you one of them. And he <laughs> denied Christ, but it was he was distinguishable from the world. They knew he didn't belong there with the rest of these people, that he was somebody different. You know, and many times uh, I've heard people tell a story that uh, maybe they were uh, new to the church and were coming into church, but they were still had one foot out in the world. And maybe they went to the club or to the bar and somebody came over to them and said, you don't belong here. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to be here. And they didn't know this person, but they were distinguishable from all the other people in there because they were actually a follower of Christ. But it says that the professed followers of Christ are no longer separate and peculiar people. The line of demarcation is indistinct. You know, that's what I was going to, um, what Lee mm-hmm. just said, I went to a party over in East St. Louis. East St. Louis have always been notorious. That was the best place to be. But anyway, I was in this party. I don't know what it was, a garage or, well, I don't know what this thing was that I was in. It looked like a shack or something, you know. But so I was in there and I was trying to keep an eye on the people I came with. So, you know, they out dancing or doing whatever they're doing because I wanted to, you know, didn't want to get left over in East St. Louis. So I was keeping an eye on them. And I inadvertently stepped on someone's foot, a man foot. He was standing close to me. And I said, Oh, excuse me. And then he said, looked at me, he said, What are you doing here? And I said, huh? He said, why are you here? You don't belong here. Oh, wow. And he did say that to me. And I couldn't wait for my people to finish doing whatever they were doing. <laughs> you know, I've never been back on the east side going to a party. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to tell me two or three or four times, once is enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it occurs to me that there's a difference between a professed Christian and a confessed Christian. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Because like you said, Lee, the men that were following Jesus, he would not have denied Christ if he was asked. If he was truly of Christ. And so I think about it, you know, uh, I remember years ago, one of those school shootings and and we were having a discussion about it. And one of the young ladies, he told her to, to deny Christ and you'll live. 
Oh, so we wow. were having a discussion about that. And it was, you know, it was the course of the discussion. I was like, would you deny Christ? Or what would you do? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, if you're not gonna, if you're not living for him, you're certainly not gonna die for him. You know? And so I think that when you're dealing with professed Christians, there are a lot of talk and there are a lot of all of that, you know, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Whereas confessed Christians walk the walk. They don't just talk the talk. Now, what about what happens if you meet a person who has given their life to Christ, but they're just not that strong in faith yet? Does that mean that they're not true Christian because they fell short in a situation? I think like that, with Peter, was Peter not a true Christian? Maybe think, he just wasn't strong yet. Go right. I, I, what I was going to say is, um, I think when God redeems us, like Isaiah 40, um, 43 says, that we are his. So there's a covering upon our lives. There's a calling. And I think that's what people um, notice um, before they get to know us. You don't look, but that may not be through the physical lens, but through a discernment when you are truly a um, Christian. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Very interesting. It says that the people are subordinating themselves to the world, to its practices, its customs, and its selfishness. Now, I know I've seen some churches uh, that they just basically are trying to conform to the world in order to get more members so that the, the least number of um, requirements, the least, uh, the least you require of people, the easier it is for them to just join your group. You know, is there a problem with that, that conforming to the world so that more people join the church? What's wrong with that? You get more members, right? You get the wrong members. <laughs> yeah, because when you add the ocean, you get all kind of stuff coming up with you. <laughs> you know, the thing though, uh, when you look at, I guess Paul said this, or Peter, which I want y'all to know, I become all things to all people. So that in a way, while we fit in, we also, we have, while we stand out, we still have to fit in some kind of way, right? So like that, I don't believe that you should just that, you know, anybody doing anything, come in and, you know, be a member of the church. But on the flip side of that, then we have to meet people where we are. It's, it's a balancing act for sure. It's definitely a balancing act. I think, I think that speaks to me. What, what it speaks to me is that we have to be understanding of where people are and not judgmental. But should we compromise? Should we pose ourselves as something that we're not in order to um, get their attention? No, I don't think so because God is the same God. He doesn't have to change. His word doesn't have to change. We don't have to dress it up, but in returns, we do have to understand and accept people where they are so that we can inspire them, motivate them to become what God wants them to be. And that's with their God's time, not our time. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We are to be the messenger and, and not the converter. Yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, piggybacking off of that, um, the Lord says that 
let the wheat and tares grow together. There is a, a reason behind that uh, in that those who are true wheat have the true fruit of God um, will be that, that device, so to say, that will help to usher in the tares uh, that are, are not fully converted or, or even in. You know, we know uh, also, though, that even the wheat can fall away because the Lord says that there will be a, a falling away. Uh, so I dare say that you want the chair to take your place, but we still have a, a criteria principles uh, that we are supposed to meet and, and uh, uh, line up with, uh, as it says, thus said the Lord. Um, I was going to say something behind what Christina said also, and that is that uh, you know, I always hated when we have evangelistic uh, meetings and mm -hmm. Well, this is when we were over at Northside and uh, the van would go pick people up <laughs> and they would cover up the sign on the side that said Northside Seventh-day Adventist Church. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just hated that because I'm like, the truth and the Lord don't need to be covered up. The truth will stand for itself and the truth will, will uh, uh, what do I want to say? What's the word I want to use? The truth will shine out beyond all of that and touch hearts. You don't need to cover it up with anything. Mm -hmm. you know, Karen, you're trying, to kick, kick, you're trying to kick me under the bus. How about <laughs> Northside? <laughs> no, this is when I was a member over there is what I'm saying. And I always hated that they did that. I understand. I understand. Like, no, they don't need to be covering up, you know, who's who who this crusade is, is you know, who's leading this crusade or whatever. Yeah, like it's God like, uh, can't handle that. and Lakita was talking about becoming all things to all men. And we do want to allow ourselves to be flexible to reach people, but not to the point to where we are transgressing God's law or principles or subordinating ourselves to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to go that far. We can meet people where they are. But remember, uh, as it says here, uh, the church has gone over to the world in transgression of the law when the world should have come over to the church in obedience to the law. So while we want to meet people, we don't want to bend so far that we're doing uh, evil things that they're doing just to reach them. We mm. still want to bring them over to Christ's side through a good example. So there is some flexibility, but we don't want to bend principle. You know, we don't want to lose no, that. Anyway. I may be wrong, but my understanding is that we just need to share the love of Christ with people in whatever way that God inspires us to do it. And people can choose to follow God or not follow God. And people may choose to follow God in their home and never, ever come to a church. They may choose to, you know, I would wonder, I'm just wondering if my brother passed on tomorrow, you know, would he be saved? He's not a member of our church but he does believe in prayer. And I see that God blesses him. I think we also forget that the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, you know, and damnation. So that means, I mean, that leads to eternal life and broad is the way that leads to, you know, eternal death or damnation, whatever. But um, I think we forget that. And then, so then our goal is we're chasing numbers rather than um, trying to just fulfill God's, his decree is that we go forth and just share 
with people. And then let, let the chips fall where they may. Jesus, God does all the rest of that. You know, I think we take way too much on ourselves when we start being deceitful, no caring. Like they did do that too, cover up that name of the bus. And then, you know, like on the last day, they're going to uncover it. Like, it's like, oh, now we got y'all and y- y'all stuck. No, ain't nobody stuck. They can just <laughs> that name and go on back home. They don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, I think that reminds me of when God just tells us to plant the little mustard seed and that he's going to water and grow it. And I think sometimes we want to plant the little mustard seed and we want to give ourselves credit for making it grow when we can't do anything without God. And that's true. And, 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 and if we humbled ourselves and realized that, then we wouldn't be trying to cover up the sign on the side. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't do that. What were you, you going to say, Christine? Um, <clears throat> what I like about <clears throat> how God allow us to make a choice when he's revealed to us in all of his glory Um it's an acceptance upon the person who's walking that walk. It's um, a friend of mine. She was working for an employer. Um, this has never happened to me, but um, according to her story, she had to she had to act. She had to talk. She had to behave like her coworkers, the firm, and she didn't like that person even after they propose, oh, you're going to have these perks um, if you stay here for such a long time and you get this kind of clout and all of that. But the way she um, was raised, it just did not, it didn't feel right to her. Um, She said for a good while, she began to talk, walk, act like, the employee, her co-workers, because she wanted to fit in. Um, She had to deny herself the salary, the perks that the job came with, because she had to eventually walk away from the job because she was getting too far in to the lifestyle and the walk. Um, I mean, it was just, she. the story that she told me, she was like, even after I clock out, after she left the job, she had to present herself a certain way in order to fit in and to be with this company. But she had to truly sacrifice herself. And some people in our Christian walk, um, when we see the fullness of Christ, and sometimes because Christ had to sacrifice, it doesn't look as good as it did when we first come in and they walk away or they stay in and they, you know, they put on this face, but they still live a life that they want to outside of God's will and his obedience, um, your obedience to his will. So it, it, that story really reminded me of, you know, how different Christian walks can be. Um, you have to make that sacrifice, true sacrifice, when you want to profess and to become wholeheartedly a Christ follower, giving up the self, giving up um, the lust of the world, giving up all those principles that the world comes with and will shower you with. It's temporary, of course, but you want to experience that. You, Some people say you only have one life to live, but that's not the truth. <laughs> God is going to give but you, you know. A good testimony, Christina. But you know, Christina, there's also, sister, 
even in the church, when you don't fit in with the cliques, I can I can remember when I first came, and, and, and still to this day, I don't fit in with the cliques. They, they, you know, you would say happy Sabbath to some of them. They'd be like, mm, ain't nobody worried about her. Look how she dressed. <laughs> and, and and so you and so you had to keep your mind focused on Christ. And I'm a note taker, so I'm like I'm just and and I'm a beat up on Andre and Karen. And when some of them left the church, we even got worse. The, the clicks got worse. They're like, well, now we can really get on those people that don't dress like us, that don't look like us. And my thing was, I'm not going to church for anybody to look at. I want Jesus to look at me and tell the Holy Spirit. This is what she needs to change, and you need to go work with her. But it happens in church that the cliques get together, and when they get together as cliques and they go after somebody, I said they go after them. Now, sometimes, too, uh, the Bible says making for doctrines the traditions of men, mm-hmm. too, or, you know, and sometimes the commandments of men, is that, um, you know, I think Christine was saying, when when she was talking, it reminds me of being an individual, being your individuality. And I look at the disciples, you see Peter, he was impulsive by nature, you know. And then you had John, I was reading about John this week, and he was, you know, was most childlike and and affectionate with Jesus. And then you had the brothers of of Thunder. Thunder. James and John, yeah, the sons of Thunder, meaning they had bad attitudes, you know ready to just beat somebody down so in that they all express i i can imagine their christianity their christian um faith in different manners and different ways none being wrong they're all different people and stuff and their appeal so there's one way of um there's no one way of evangelizing so because everybody's personality is so different mm-hmm. and uh i can reach some people that Lee can Lee can reach some people that I can't because you know some people will be you know um, appeal to me and what I do and they may not what Lee does may not appeal to them so I think it's really a mistake, um, Pessy, for people to try to pressure everybody to look the same and I do in my honest heart feel that there was a time in church where you know that was kind of um, pushed or, or you know promoted that we all kind of look the same you can't wear this type of dress you can't do this you can't do that and i just believe when god works with people's heart whatever they're doing god will take care of it we don't even need to i mean you know i'm not talking about open sin i'm saying if their choices is harmful to them and will prevent them from being in heaven then god will work with them to change those choices i was thinking about your example christina because that reminded me of being down in corporate America too. And they do want you to blend together. They want everybody to act the same, do the same. And I ran into that same issue. And the people would always go out like on Friday evenings to drink. And they was always telling me, come on, Lee, you on the team, you want to be part of the group. We are going out to drink. And I told them, I said, no, I'm not going out to drink. First of all, I don't drink. And secondly, Friday, is Sabbath, Friday night to Sabbath. I, ex- I observed the Holy Sabbath, so I'm not going out to do that. And they're like, well, if you want to you wanna move ahead in the company, blah, 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 you know, that old thing, try and scare you into doing it. And that was that was a 
a chance where the devil was trying to tempt me to drop my Christianity and to cover up the sign on the van, so to speak, and wow. go doing what these people wanted to blend with the world. But when we are truly, when we truly have accepted Christ and that he is our number one, then it's like the pastor said today, you're going to lose out on heaven for that. You know, am I willing to trade heaven to go out and drink some alcohol on a Friday just to be part of the group? Not going to happen, but we have to be very uh, careful that we don't get too far away and just say, I'm never going to talk to these people. I'm never going to say anything to them. No, I still spoke to them. I still worked with them, but I would show Christ in my own way. Like Lakita saying, we all have a different way to reach people. So I didn't blend with them, but I was still mingling enough to let them see Christ in me. It's kind of like if you, if you see uh, movies about undercover cops, right? Mm -hmm. They're supposed to go undercover, hang yeah. out with people and see what they're doing so they can make contact and find out what's going on, but they're not to become a criminal. So while you might be around them so that you can still reach them, you're not supposed to become part of the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. You're still around people who are, who are doing different things, but you're, we are supposed to still let our light shine so that they see our good works and follow where we lead them to Christ, not the other way around. So we have to be very careful um, also that we don't end up having just the form of godliness, mm -hmm. but not truly having the power that comes with a true relationship with Christ. And the next uh, chapter talks about that form of godliness. And it reminds us too, that we have recording angels writing down the things we say, the things we do, all of that it says every selfish act, every wrong word, every unfulfilled duty, every secret sin with every artful dissembling is faithful chronicled in the book of records kept by the recording angel. But by the same token, every good deed that you do that we do is written down in heaven also. So we want to keep that in mind so that when we are out witnessing, when we're out with our family or coworkers or friends, that we remember we're in the world, but not of the world. And we don't want any wrong acts written down. We want our good acts written about how we witness for the Lord wherever we're at yeah. and whoever we are around. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, it's kind of a thing that we have to live through each and every day. And there's always situations and opportunities where we're to let the light of Christ shine above the dim light of the world. Yeah, I think that's why Paul says you must die daily. Um, we are all subject uh, to our natural humanistic ways, but unless we are actually uh, deliberately extending ourselves in the will of God, we're going to fall. And so Paul says, you, we have to die daily. Have mercy. Now here's a, here, this is an interesting topic comes up. It's called, the subtitle is the burden bearers are wearing out. <laughs> it's kind of funny. The burden bearers are wearing out. It says becomes because some will not lift the burdens they could lift or do the work they might do. The work is too great for the few who will engage in it. And they see so much to do that they overtax their strength 
and are fast wearing out. Have you ever felt that way? I know yes. that everyone, I know that all of us are pretty active. Have you ever felt like, man, I'm going to keep doing all this and overtax myself and wear out because it seems like nobody else is assisting? Have you ever felt that way? Yes. Yes. You want to add to it? <laughs> and you don't have to mention personal names, but just your your uh, feelings about how you feel. You know, sometimes I feel like I feel like people don't really understand what a blessing it is to actually serve God and to be able to do the things they do. Before I had uh, gotten involved with, or before arthritis decided to get involved with me. You know, I just took my legs for granted. You know, they just walk around and do whatever they wanted to do and, you know, kick it up, swim, run, jog, whatever, jump, rope. Then when you get, you know, arthritis, your legs be like, uh-uh, sweetie, don't go in that direction. <laughs> no, no, you can't open. You No, no, we ain't going to walk that fast. You're going to slow down, you know. And um, so I think that's how we are with Christianity, you know. These opportunities that we have, and they really are opportunities mm -hmm. to serve. The Bible says that um, let him that is greatest be the least amongst you. You know, if you're going to be a leader, you are automatically a servant to other people. Mm -hmm. But we don't look at it, you know, just like the, the policemen, you know, that I had outlined this morning. What opportunity they had. They were an elite squad. They had the word elite in front of their group of people, squad. And that gave them power to do a lot of good, you know, not just the thing that they did and stuff. And I think we have the same thing. We just don't realize it. I think people in church, in our church particularly, because I've heard other people from different, you know, like uh, denominations, and they like so proud and happy to be like in the choir or to be an usher or you know, they speak of people who are deacon highly with favor. And I don't see that sense of maybe this is the wrong word, that sense of pride in our service to Christ, you know, around, you know, our church. And I just wish, and not, I'm not just, I'm talking about, I guess, our denomination. You know, I think people come to it with, oh, they asked me to do this, and I don't want to do that. But mm. You know, we was out shopping. I told Lee, I said, look at all these people with their legs. Legs just walking. <laughs> I see some people just not even aware that their legs are just moving and just being normal and stuff. We don't realize that's what life is all about. You know, we're just asking people, live. Just live. Do some nice things for other people and enjoy the process of doing it. But people are just so, I don't know, we're just confused, I think. Hmm. And I think for me, I got to the point that, you know, I grew up in, and my mother would tell us if any church member asks you to do something, you don't say no, you working for the Lord. So when people would ask me to do something, I'd be like, okay. But the problem was I got to the point and, and, and I'm like, I'm glad Christina talked about work. When I, when I was working, you know, our departmental chair, she would wait till the last minute to tell us. Well, this, this proposal is due, we like, when? Tomorrow. We like, well, when did you get it? She got it two weeks ago. 
And she said, I forgot to tell y'all, now all of us don't have to stay after till 10 and 11 at night so we can get it done. If we gonna get, it's going to be on our evaluations that we're not managing uh, uh, our time. And, we're, and I was like, you know, from now on, when you get something <laughs> for two weeks ahead, and, and it was like different ones would be like, I got to go home to my husband. I got to go pick my kids up from daycare. And I'm like, okay, I'm divorced. I ain't got no babies. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, okay, I guess it's going to be me and you. And then I'm thinking because she's the departmental chair, she going to do most of the work. By the time I got done and I was calling different ones saying, okay, this is where I'm at. What do you want to add to it? And I was like, then when she turned it in, she's like, we did a good job. We what? <laughs> you, you and do, do number eight, eat pizza and eat salad and, and stay on your phone. We it, And so I was like, yeah, we did a good job. And in my mind, I'm like, I got to go home. And by the time I get up at five o'clock, I'm right back at work. And when you're dealing with teenagers, you like, you, you can't go in there like you like you ready just to lay your head on the desk and go to sleep. But then I, I found that that carried on in the church. You know, when so-and-so would get up and say, and I'm just going to use an example, like Sister Morgan would get up and say, I need help this Sunday. I don't have enough workers at, at community service, and I'm, I'm needing some people. And I was like, she should never have to beg people as big as our church is to say, on Sunday, can you give some time for community service? And I would go in there sometimes just as tired. I was like, okay, what you need us? What you need me to do? Who am I working with? But it seemed like I always got stuck with the people that didn't want to work, and they was more concerned about what they could get off the off the table. And I'm like, I'm putting stuff on the table, and they study said, oh, I'm going to take this girl, I'm going to take that. And I'm like, we never going to get this table and this box empty if you keep taking stuff as we put up there. Mercy. Have mercy. So, so then you, like you said, you overworked that one person that's trying to get all the help, get these boxes, and you study getting stuff and it's like, then you finally say, no, I can't get mad because I don't know what that person's situation is as far as food at home and stuff. But it's like, it, it wears you out. You know, you putting stuff on the table, somebody taking it off. Mm. Yes, Sister White talks about the spirit of volunteerism, you know, and stuff. Um, I have a, a something, I'm going to go back to what you're saying, Patsy, too. I just got to have a thing about about this whole like giving, taking, that kind of stuff. And my mom used to say, if we take stuff that belongs to poor people, you become poor, you know, um, because really, if you think about it, you may not, you may have enough to have, but in your mind, your mindset is, you know, I'm poor or I don't have enough. And so you'll never ever feel satiated or complete because you hanging on to this poverty mentality and stuff so that's the um one thing in that greediness you know I'm, I'm only here to see what the church you know see what i can take i want everybody to know for backpack sabbath everybody's free to take a backpack you know to your cousins uh, whoever that's i, I just, it's not you don't have to feel greedy or whatever to to have stuff but i do think people are like standing back, particularly, forgive me, Patsy, because I went to Northside too, particularly Northside, you know, go in and take, it's, it's um, Turkey Day or Thanksgiving, they're giving out 500,000 turkeys, and, you know, the members taking two or three before they, you know, give it to anybody else. Now, if that's the rule, if that's what it is, then that's what it is, but I do think that mentality is not a, is not a good thing at all. And one thing's for sure, that type of mentality is not just limited to a few churches, 
I think all of us, especially in small churches, we've probably held two or three offices at the same time or more sometimes. And it's sometime in a smaller church, you might have to do that. But in a larger church, there is enough people for everybody to have an office and for there to be plenty of people still uh, to, to be uh, members of whatever department. So is it really fair that a few people get overtaxed when you have more than enough members that can help? Is that really fair? Is that using your God-given abilities properly? Well, I think the people are missing out. I feel kind of sad for them. I just do um, feel like they're missing out. When, when I was in grad school, then we had to do in group therapy. They want you can either sit in on a group, you can participate in a group, or you can develop a group. So I created a group for Northside, and we did a marriage group. It was a six-week marriage group. And I had to write up, you know, papers. I went along with it and stuff. Well, the teacher, the professor was so, you know, she was so um, impressed with it that she submitted my name to be the Outstanding Graduate Student of the Year. And um, I received that award for as the Graduate Outstanding Student of the Year simply because of the work that was being done in the community. Also, we invited her to our church to teach you know, members how to conduct a group so that we can have more groups going on in the church and stuff and they can do it correctly. So, you know, that's what I'm saying, but I'm not saying that we should work for so that we can get, you know, anything, but the opportunities that we have to, to work with people and to get. So I feel like if you take me taking on positions, um, I don't feel that it's not fair. It's just, opportunities that you know guys given to me I feel sad for people who don't because they are closing off opportunities while at the same time they're praying and saying Lord help me with this and can I have that and Lord if I could just I want to move up in my job and he's saying to you you know be the um, personal ministries leader you know and then you can gain all the skills you need for that next promotion that you you want, but people they there it's like work over here, Christ over there, but the two are the same. It's your life, and it's it's not a separation there. Now, Percy, I know you have more than one office. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you were being uh, overtaxed and wearing out, or was it fair at all to you? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I was thinking about that. And, and I heard uh, sister, sister Lakita say, well, it, it's not about me. Or how did she say, I don't think that it wasn't fair. Um, at the time that that was transpiring in my life, I thought it was very unfair. Uh, in fact, I, I held, uh, not only did I hold treasurer, elder, uh, AY, and teacher all at the same time, what really got me is that they took once I left treasury they mm -hmm. took and they started paying the treasurer to be a uh -uh. Uh -uh. Yeah. <laughs> mercy yeah. Lord have mercy have and mercy and so that to me I said well Lord I said as much as I have given that's not fair uh, but I have to re regroup and recapture yeah. re, re, yeah. recapture myself but yeah it, there are there are points in our life that our our human nature will 
dictate that this is not right. It's not fair. And it's one thing to say it's not fair, but it's another thing to say it's not right. God didn't have, he didn't, <laughs> and, and I love it. Jesus didn't uh, criticize the disciples for not doing their part. Right. He taught them. He educated them. But at the same time, he held them accountable for what they did not do, uh, even to the point of the cross. He said, look, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. But he said, yeah, you will. He said, but that doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not going to still love you. And more interesting for me is that even when he was on the precipice of leaving, he told the disciples, he said, y'all aren't even ready. And he said, until you come together and get on the same page, mm -hmm. then go and feed my people. Mm. Hey, Percy, but here's the thing, too, the um, benefit for you is this. So now, as a treasurer, you did that from the from um, the love in your heart to Christ. You did that free will. You know, it's a lot of work. And when you're, you know, um, going slugging it out with the with the books and doing all that work, of course, nobody notices it because nobody can see the work you're doing. And Satan is there every step of the way telling you, you know, this wrong, you shouldn't be doing it, look at so-and-so, they out eating, you know, on a Sunday, and you have to stay in here and do this, of course, but you work through all of that. Now, the other person have a different type of struggle, like, I don't want to let this go because I need this money. After a while, that money, you can lose your, like, your attention can stop focusing on you're doing this for Christ, and now it becomes... I'm doing this for money, if that makes sense. And so that's a whole different battle that yeah. people have. You know, when you start talking about paying positions in the church and stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's why I said I had to be a group because initially, I mean, growing up in the church the way I did, the only office that was ever paid for was the pastor. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. uh, and so... I had to regroup. I really did. I really had to regroup and say, you know what, this is God's business. And mm -hmm. so I didn't hold any grudge against that individual or as a matter of fact, individuals who got paid for various offices. Um, when asked the question, though, I politely said, well, I disagree with pain because this is a gift that God has warranted to you uh, to do. Uh, and you should be we, we should be doing that out of our love for him and the work that we've been called to do. I understand, uh, especially what, in the situation that you're, you're, you're talking about, Sister Curl, uh, this might be an individual who that might be the only uh, living expense that they have. Uh, my, 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 my problem was at that time was that we didn't do our work to really understand what was going on, if that indeed was the case. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was just me. Interesting. But Patsy, you know, so, you so, so the world I, I agree with you because when I grew up back home, and even when I went home after I moved to Missouri and went to the church, nobody get gets paid but the pastor. And I think sometimes members think, well, if I if I they gonna ask me to do this position, they wanna know how much they getting paid. If you say it's a position that you know we think god can use god can use your talents they now it's to the to the point people say if i ain't getting paid for it i'm not gonna do it and they don't see the benefits of doing it out of the kindness of their heart 
And like you said, it is unfair when you tell one person one thing and then you do another for the other person. That's where conflict and, and uh, there's not unity there because that one person is beginning to wonder, why wasn't I good enough to be paid? And I put, you know, I poured in my heart into it to make sure everything was perfect in line. And it, it does cause a little friction between people. Yeah. yeah. It causes a lot of friction. <laughs> yeah. But let, let me be clear. I found out the regrouping that the greater reward mm -hmm. was being able to serve the Lord mm -hmm. in this capacity. Mm -hmm. And Amen. I, have, I have no regrets. I mean, I've, I've, as Lee said, I've done, I've probably done just about every office in the church. <laughs> uh, but for one, it was a learning experience. For two, with the exception of communication, Andre, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> but it was a learning experience. It was an opportunity for growth, but it drew me nearer and closer to God. I don't think without having to being able to do that. Praise the Lord. That's true. And it was pointed out, uh, Lakita mentioned that we really need to look at these opportunities as blessings mm -hmm. for us to grow in different manners, you know, grow in uh, different skills and abilities that we can use to further the Lord's work. Some situations you're in, yeah, you, you have to wear two hats, you know, even in your own personal business life or home life, you have to wear more than one hat all the time. But when God gives us that opportunity, and as we always say in this class, we have to learn to listen and hear God's voice speaking to us individually, because this may be something he wants to lead you to a closer walk with him. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he might be telling you not to do it. And if we haven't learned to hear his voice amongst all the others, we're going to end up doing things that we shouldn't be doing and missing opportunities that he's putting in front of us to further our Christian walk with him. So, again, we have to learn to hear God's voice speaking. Now, last week well, we were talking because I was just thinking about um, uh, Karen and Andre. And I think I may be wrong. They were like downtown. And they were doing like homeless ministry, you know, doing the work that God called them to do. And then uh, somehow they saw a wedding or something and mm -hmm. you know, it ended up that they ended up work getting, you know, the, the people needed a, 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 a photographer. And then they went over and they became the photographer for these people and were fin was financially paid for this. The point is this, you know, when we take on this whole attitude of I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that and blah, all this murmuring and grumbling that's going on wow you're just cutting yourself out of so much you know so many opportunities you know it is opportunity in the word yes you know we used to uh, at some place people would say at some point 90s or something the word we can say no the word no became prominent and so now that's where it's at but really the opportunities are in yes yeah and god no. can bless us in whatever we do now i was about to say last week we read where sister white and her husband were just really being overtaxed and the other members weren't really pulling their weight but god has a great reward for us when we follow his will mm -hmm. so as long as we our motives are straight and in accordance with what god wants for us to do then don't worry about it. He'll take care of us. Great is our reward in heaven. And he'll give you the strength to do what he wants you to do. But again, 
let's recognize God's voice and let's take advantage of these opportunities that we have to work in his vineyard and not get to where we're feeling, oh, somebody else need to do this and they need to do that. That's not my concern, what they need to do. My concern is what is say, what is the Lord telling me to do to serve him? So uh, we're going to end here. Wait a minute. Karen, I, what's, wait a minute. I want to say something. Yes. Okay. okay. One more comment. We got to move on. Okay. Don't be trying to rush me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Tell them, wife. Tell them, wife. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, I was going to say, too, is that I hope that we all remember this week, really remember that, you know, we're, we are putting our treasures, our treasures are being laid up in heaven and stuff. But what we do here on earth, it's not for the church, what we do for the church and here on earth, it's not just the Lord, it's, it's not just that we're working for the church. He's developing us for, you know, bigger and better things. You know, he's trying to overcome some of these familial tendencies, build our self-esteem and, and, cons- and our self-confidence up, not to be selfish or nothing, but we don't need to feel like we're the ugliest people on earth to serve God. We need to have some type of, you know, belief in, you know, our, the goodness that God has put within us and stuff. So I think there's a, it's, it's for healing for us as we reach out to heal others. That's how I look at working for crisis. I need healing. And he put me in positions and places and opportunities so that I can do that. We keep saying, fit me up for heaven. And then when he does something like, okay, you need to be more generous. So I'm going to put you in this position where you have to give. And you're like, no, nah, never mind, Lord. I'm going to do something different. <laughs> you know, for that. Remember, so, only what we do for Christ will last. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen, where are we at for next week? So we're in... Uh... Uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, and we're still on Chapter 104, and we're beginning at five, a paragraph 599.2. 599.2. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to welcome Brother, well, he just dropped off. Brother Clarence was with us, so glad that he tuned in for a few minutes mm-hmm. also. Brother Wilson. From, uh, okay, let's... Uh, End up, end up with a word of prayer. Percy, would you offer a closing prayer for us, please? Sure. Father God, Lord, one more time, we want to give all honor, praise, and glory unto you. Thanking you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and discuss your word. Acknowledging, Lord, that change is only sufficient if we are truly led by your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask that we would endeavor to allow for our minds, our hearts, our ears and our eyes to be attuned to your lead and your guide. Thank you, Lord, for the direction of being able to serve. And we ask, Lord, that we will not serve in vain, but that we will serve out of the love of Christ and for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Also, one of the things we're going to do in a week or so, we're going to have a special special dinner at church and is going to, we're going to do our spiritual gift inventories. So be on the lookout for that because we want everybody to take the spiritual gift inventory so we can see what areas God has blessed you with uh, and where we can use those talents in the church. So be on the lookout for that. Also, there's a family life week of prayer is starting Monday evening at seven o'clock. Um, I sent that information. I'll, I'll send it to you, um, to Karen, if you want to publicize it. But I just got the information like last night. So um, I'll try to get it out to everybody. 
And if you know somebody, if I send it to you, just pass it on. Yeah, it was in the announcements today. Um, Okay. 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 Look forward to seeing everybody at the next discipleship and invite someone else to join us. It's open to everyone. Amen.